whether it's our hearts, lungs, or other organs, the word diagnosis tends to make us uneasy. At Kaiser Permanente, our specialists care for you and about you, working together, creating a treatment plan specific to your diagnosis and total health. So from primary to specialty care, find reassurance in a great team of healthcare professionals committed to your healthy recovery. Visit kp.org slash specialty care to learn more. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Main Atlantic States Incorporated, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are presented by Fantrax Podcast Network. It is I, the steadfast defender of undervalued hitters with middling power and powerful OBP, Pat Donovan. Oh, man. And tonight, I am unfortunately joined by the Dark Lord, the ruiner of last week's podcast, and the villain who cites batting average when drafting in an OBP league, <laughs> Nick Ligatino. Oh my God, I have no response to this intro. And the third man joining us tonight is the February overreactor, the crooner <laughs> that brought you a rocking version of Old McDonald's E-I-E-I-O at the end of last week's podcast, Joe Saunders. Hey. Good intro, Pat. Thank you. I felt like we needed to step it up after we beat that Elvis Andrews joke into the ground. <laughs> All right, so tonight we've got uh, the third part of our SP preview, but we're going to kick the show off with some news and notes. Uh, the big news this week, I believe, was Brent Honeywell. We're going to touch on him tonight. Logan Morrison signed with the Twins. It appears he's going to be their primary DH. In the Twins lineup, what do you think of Lomo? I am in love with Lomo. Uh, I am going to own him in every league. Last year, he changed his approach. The glaring number is the 10% drop in the ground ball rate. Um, and he, like everyone else in the league, changed his angle, and it resulted in more pot. So the power is sustainable. Uh, even though target isn't as good for lefty power, um, if it saps five home runs, he's still going to hover around 30, I think, on the year. And a little tidbit that you guys might not have uh, seen after this happened was that he has a career 387 average at target field with a 472 OBP. It is by far uh, statistically his best park he's played in. How many at bats? Uh, not that many. It's a small sample. It's like <laughs> he's, like four, he's batting seven hundred four no, bats. Yeah, I think. Well, listen, it, I think it's I think it's somewhere around like the twenty area, and it's it's by far the best park he's played in. So it's just a little note to look at. Yeah, I mean, he gets a boost for being in that lineup. I mean, that lineup is now really good. So um, you got to give him a boost in runs and RBI, which pushes him up the, the board, the first baseman board. Yeah. Do you guys worry at all about the move between the divisions? Um, it, he's leaving a really friendly division in terms of, um, you know, the road parks. Uh, and now he's going to Detroit. Cleveland's okay. Uh, the White Sox is pretty good, and Kansas City's not good. Are you guys worried at all about that, or you think it kind of offsets and you give them the edge because of the better lineup? Well, I don't know about I don't know about the White Sox rotation being pretty good, but yeah, no, no I, think I said it, the ballpark. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I think he's going to be just fine. It's going to carry over. Yeah, I'm not really worried because the mechanical changes are real. So yeah, okay, and on the transaction front. Sing Wong Oh found his home in Toronto. Mike Napoli signed with the Indians. 
And Tim, Tim Lincecum returned, signing to a one-year deal with the Texas Rangers. There's also some injury news, mostly minor. Marcus Stroman is dealing with shoulder inflammation. Jacob deGrom has lower back stiffness. Matt Carpenter has lower back stiffness. Yoenna Cespedes, shoulder soreness. Uh, Felix got struck by a line drive. He's going to sit out for two weeks, so that's a little more significant. Mitch Hanniger is dealing with a hand injury. Um, and I believe that's everything that we need to touch on, unless you guys have something else uh, injury-wise that you heard that maybe I missed. No. Okay. Nope. Okay. All right, so let's talk about the things that we noted from the first few days of spring training baseball. Of course, the headliner is Shohei Otani. He didn't really have his fastball location down, and the splitter was in and out. Does the first game action move the needle for you? No, it's it's the first game of spring training. These guys are just getting warmed up. Uh, what I take from that game is what Nate Orff said post game, and that's that. Well, that's I've, because you just love Nate Orff. I just love Nate Orff, <laughs> but he's quoted as saying that uh, either I've got a hole in my bat or Otani has a plus splitter. And we saw the splitter, and it did look really good. Uh, he just missed his spots, so let's see what he does in the next start. Yeah, I imagine he's he's gonna have to get a feel for some pitches. Um, he just hasn't pitched in so long. So, um, yeah, it doesn't really move the needle at all for me. Pat? Yeah, I, I, he doesn't move much for me. I mean, I remain high on him. Uh, to me, it affirmed that he has the pure stuff, uh, even though we didn't get a look at the slider. Fastball was there in terms of velocity. Splitter looked filthy when he was able to command it. Uh, he, he looked like a guy that was fighting his command, which is not terribly surprising, as Joe said, given his layoff and given the fact that it was the first spring training game. Uh, if the command continues to be an issue, two, three starts down the line, then maybe you consider moving him down your board. But as of now, I think you you hold tight. Okay, Michael Franco, after discussing his open batting stance change on the third base pod, it appears he's gone back to his more closed stance. Even with the, without the mechanical changes, do you think he can still bounce back this year? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm just always going to be a fan of his, and he's still just 25 um, he's hovered around 25 home runs the last couple of years. I'm a big believer in the power. He doesn't strike out. The main problem is the ground ball rate. If he follows the crowd and makes a swing change, just change that angle a little bit, he could be special. But him hitting 30 home runs this year and batting like 250 plus is definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Are you concerned at all that um, Philly kind of gives up on him at any point in the season if he well, struggles? Yeah. yeah, there's definitely a leash and it's definitely shorter this year. Hmm. Yeah, because Scott Kingery is lurking. Yeah, um, I think he crushed one today too. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, I don't think that the stance is necessarily the only path that Franco has to making the changes that he needs to make. And Nick, to your point, it's not even just the ground balls that are the issue. It's where he's hitting his grounders and his flies. He's pulling his grounders and he's hitting his flies to the opposite field. He needs to pull his fly balls. And he needs to hit uh, his grounders to center and to the opposite field because they're more likely to turn the hits that way. But really the concern is the pulled fly balls. You're hoping that Carlos Santana can get into his ear and say, you know, you got to pull your fly balls to tap into your power. Um, I don't think the stance is the only way that he can do that. I think he can keep his old stance and maybe just change his swing a little bit or maybe reposition himself in the box and then tap into his power. Okay, Miguel Cabrera, 
Didn't look to have a whole lot of pop in his swing over the first two spring training appearances. Do you have any concern or do you think he's still a bargain? No, I'm going to keep this simple. I'm I'm just going to say this. I'm going to take a gamble and I'm willing to buy one of the best hitters in the history of baseball. That's it. Yeah. So for me, um, it's really just a wait and see approach. Um, I'd like to see more out of his swings than I've seen so far. Um, I'm not pushing him down because he's already really cheap, but I'm also not pushing him up until I see some more. Yeah. To me, it's February. It's four at bats. Anyone making definitive judgments off four at bats in February needs to have their head examined. He's dirt cheap. He offers a ton of upside. Um, if the swing remains lackadaisical throughout spring training, much like I said with Otani about his command, then I'll consider it. But the calendar hasn't even turned to March yet. So I, I think anybody making reactions and statements off this short of a sample is making a mistake. And Kyle Schwarber, um, now that we've seen the actual physical change in action, what are your thoughts on moving Schwarber up your board? You know, I knew about the weight loss before he lost the weight. I just want to say that. Um, he's much higher in my rankings this year. He's going to be stealing bases. He's going to go with 30-plus home runs. The main problem I see is playing time. Um, we have a deep outfield, and Ian Happ looks like the real deal. He's absolutely crushing this spring. Uh, so that's just another guy thrown into the mix. But this year, we're going to see the key rate go down, and I think we're going to see the batting average shoot way up. So uh, Schwarber's high on my on my list, and uh, the needle just keeps moving in the, in the right direction based on what I've seen. Let me just ask you this. How many spots have you moved him up approximately among outfielders? Since since the weight loss? So since, since the weight loss, yeah. Um. I, I had him high regardless. I mean, I had him high regardless of the, of the weight loss, but this is, it, it's push the, the way he looks like he has more patience so far this spring. He definitely, he stole two bases in one shot the other day. Uh, so I have him uh, at, let me see. I have to pull it up. Joe, you go while I take a look. Yeah. I just don't know if losing a bunch of weight will enable him to all of a sudden hit lefties. So that's still my concern. I think, they really should. Oh, move but him. Joe, he got a hit off Madison Bumgarner. They should move him to. Uh, they should look to move him to the AL, where he can DH and just get him out of the outfield. Whoa, uh, easy. I mean, he's a terrible defender, dude. He's a terrible defender. I don't know if losing a bunch of weight will make him all of a sudden incredibly athletic and able to hit lefties. So yeah, but yeah. he stole two bases. I, I'm not. Yeah. Moving. <laughs> I'm not moving him. Well, he, and by the way, he's my 27th overall outfielder. 20. Wow, that's hot. Okay. Smokes. All right, so Nick's in. Nick is definitely in. I'm I'm not ready to move him off my board. He was impressive this weekend. I'll give him that. Um, and the change is very real and noticeable. There's no denying it. He looks like a completely different person. Uh, you know, it's not the never-ending Pablo Sandoval change without any real change. Oh, God. Schwarber looks like a completely different person. But as Joe said, I don't think the physical change means he's suddenly going to learn how to hit lefties, nor does it mean the Cubs are going to give him the opportunity to hit lefties and get that volume with the team that is as stacked as could be on the offensive side. Um, we need to wait and see on this, but there is a reason for optimism here, I think. Joe, I think that you're – are you with me on that last point, or are you just whatever? Uh, somewhere in between. 
I'm not like I'm not like super optimistic, but a, a little optimistic. He might okay, be a so little cautiously bit. optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. As I said, yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, that's going to take us to the third part of our starting pitching preview. Much like with outfielder, when we got to the back end, uh, we decided to hold a little draft so that way we could focus on the guys that we think provide the best value. So this is going to be from among the starting pitchers ranked uh, 61st and beyond, according to the NFPC ADP. And Nick, you had the first selection, so kick us off. Ah, the first selection, the senior citizen discount. You got to love it. J.A. Happ. All the hate. I don't get it. Uh, this guy has been awesome. You got to love the consistency in pitching. 3.54 ERA first half last year, 3.52 second half. Had a 250 batting average, average against in both halves as well. Um, he's turned in three years in a row of sub-365 ERA and has maintained healthy walk rates and has risen his K rate year to year. The velo has maintained, so I'm not worried at all about age-related decline whatsoever. I love the – I said this to you guys before. The consistency of his fastball year-to-year is crazy going back to when he was a rookie. It's worked every single year since 2008, and he's had a lot of confidence in that pitch. And with a solid slider, curve, changer, and sinker, he's going to keep people guessing. There's no reason to believe that there is any type of regression coming coming forward or that he's lucky. Um he also had a career high 47% ground rate last ground ball rate last year, which is a decent amount higher than any year he's had in the past. So he's only getting better. I'm all over Hap. This is a beautiful four or five pitcher on your on your team. Um, I, I just can't say enough about the guy. Yeah. So when when Pat had uh Pat had asked us about Jay Hap a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I remember all of us agreeing that like. Liking Hap feels kind of dirty, it but it really shouldn't anymore because of all the all the points you mentioned. And I'll, I'll be very brief here, right? After 14, he changed his, his mechanics. He changed his arm slot. He's been great ever since. Just get on the Hap train, people. Yeah, I mean, if he had a different name, if his name was not Jay Hap, he would be going at least 15 spots higher. He would be going inside the top 50 very, very easily. It's just the fact that He's a pitcher that has an unremarkable track record in his past, even though he's been good in the recent in the recent past, and and people just have a stigma about him. Um, I agree with what Nick said. I mean, age aside, yeah, he could regress due to age, but there's not really any kind of sign of it, and he's been productive. So there's no reason not to take him late in drafts as one of your last two pitchers, and expect an ERA between 3.5 and 3.75 with a good K rate and, you know, a good source of innings too. Um, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned that when we talked about Zamorja, this is a guy that can provide some volume. So I'm all over it too. I think it was a great pick. All right, Joe, who did you take? Sorry about that. I went, uh, I went with, uh, Jordan Montgomery. So, um, Ooh. yeah, so, uh, he he has like some some issues, sort of like uh, Jake Jake Faria, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, he's got some trouble handling lefties, although his uh, his sharp slider is the strikeout generator against said lefties, and the curve is deadly against righties. Right, so if he can hone his weapons, each of those weapons against each handed batter, respectively, um, Montgomery can certainly see some strikeout gains. He's got really good stuff with 
the slider curveball combo. Um, with 60% fly balls, right, calling Yankee Stadium is going to hurt him in ERA. So it's hard to really project him for elite, elite ERAs, uh, but he's got really good stuff. And um, I know we don't want to sweat uh, spring training starts too much, but he looked really good in his in his two-plus innings. Nick, do you have anything to add on Montgomery, given the fact that you know well, you moaned loudly when Joe said his name? Well, yeah, we so we we both – we all love Jordan Montgomery on this pod. Uh, I'm all over him this year. Um, he's only going to get better. And just, I know I mentioned it before, but believe in the Yankee pitching staff, uh, coaching staff, they're going to work with him and he's only going to get better. Uh, I absolutely love him. And one thing you didn't mention, Joe, is that he's got really, really, really good command. Um, put, to, put that together with all his lethal breaking stuff. And we could see a nice breakout this year for the cost of nothing. Yeah, I'm on Montgomery too. I, I do think that he's a potential breakout candidate. The only thing that concerns me is the fact that he's, um, the last guy in that rotation. Uh, so if he has a bad month, uh, he might turn into a zero um, with, you know, maybe Chad Green shifting to the rotation or um, maybe Chance Adams getting a call from the minors or the Yankees making a trade. Um, those were all possibilities. But I, I, have, I have a fair amount of faith that Montgomery is going to be pretty good. Okay, uh, 64. Third, I with the third pick, I took Patrick Corbin, uh, 244.27 fan tracks ADP and NFBC ADP of 237.11. Corbin struggled in the first half, but he began to return to heavy slider usage and saw his results greatly improve to around a three and a half ERA in the second half. Um, He generated ground balls at a 50 plus percent clip. That plus eight and a half to nine K per nine stuff makes him extremely intriguing with the increased slider usage. And that was even before the humidor went in. Nick, I got I had to say the humidor because I know you love it. Um, <laughs> Corbin has struggled with Babip, homers, and hard contact. Humidor addresses all of those and could take Corbin from a pitcher with an upside of a three and a half ERA to a range of about 3.25. Uh, Corbin will rise and fall with his slider, and I'm betting he realizes that, has made that change, and will use it heavily from the get-go next year. Yeah, I've I've always been a Corbin guy, but my the issue has always been with him. He needs to find a good number two pitch. He really doesn't have one. The really the only pitch that works for him is his slider. No, he doesn't need to find another pitch. He needs to just go with what he's got. Yeah, just and throw the slider. It. Just throw because it. he's tried to find the third pitch, and it's yeah. not there. I mean, I mean, dude, it, it generates a ton of ground balls. Like, just throw it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rich Hill, Ar- Ar- Archer does it too. Yeah. Yeah. And he probably he has he has a top three slider in all of baseball. So yeah, I guess he could get by with it. Okay, let's move to the next pick. This is going to be a sad one. Yeah, <laughs> and it's got. Uh, I I took uh, Brett Honeywell. I think it was either the night before or maybe two days before or maybe uh, like three minutes before because yeah. you're just a jinx yeah that was pretty bad um there's nothing really to elaborate on here um you're not drafting him he's out for the year um but and it's really sad because in my opinion i think he had the best stuff of any any pitcher coming up and i was really excited to see what he could do but he's he's done if you're in a if you're in a keeper league or, or something that's like just starting up this year 
right? Like a redraft keeper league sort of thing. Um, would you consider stashing Honeywell for the whole season? I don't know. I mean, you'd have he, he he's probably not going to be ready for the beginning of next year, and if he is, he's going to ease in. Gonna, he still hasn't played in the big, so they'll probably start him out in the minus for an extended period of time. And he's on the raids, so that's definitely a good possibility. He might not come up till post All Star break next year. In that case, I don't think it's worth owning him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just wanted to get your. Yeah, sense. I think he's strictly a dynasty league asset at this point. Um, or you know, I mean, there might be a league out there that you know where you keep a, a mess of guys, but it's not quite a dynasty. If it's if it's like a deep keeper, I could see it as well. Um, I, I do, you know, believe in Honeywell and believe in his talent and, um, you know, hope that he'll be able to come back from this. Um, you know, the Tommy John success rate has become pretty good. So I, I think there's still hope for the future, but unfortunately this is, uh, this season is lost and a good part of next season as Nick laid out. Okay, Joe, who'd you take next? Yeah. So, uh, the aforementioned Jake Faria. So, um, like I said with uh, Montgomery, right? He's got issues against lefties, and the issues are more pronounced with Faria as he walked them 17.4% of the time. That is crazy. That's like almost unheard of how high that is. With that said, right, his changeup is an excellent offering against lefties. He just gets them out. Um, his whiff rate against lefties uh, from July to September went from 17.1% to 31%, 31%. So he can get lefties out. He's just got to do the same thing, like I said, with Montgomery, in that he's got to mix his pitches better against lefties and righties. Um, we could be talking mid-9s, K per 9, if he, if, he, if he sees this, and a mid to high 3 ZRA. I mean, he's a good pitcher, and he's got good stuff, clearly. Yeah, I'm on board with Faria too. Um, you know, I, I think he's uh, a pitcher that was a, that's a little underrated um, in terms of where he's going. I think that people are underestimating his upside a little bit. And yeah, I mean, I'm on board. I know the division is going to be tough, but I, I do like him. Nick, where did you fall? Yeah, I'm with it. I, I'm I'm a sucker for a good changeup. Um, and I could see that K rate going up even more than it is right now and hovering around like nine, one, five, maybe even higher. So he's definitely intriguing. Okay. With the next pick, I took Michael Waka, uh, fan tracks, ADP 240.62 NFPC ADP 233.75. Waka saw his velocity uptick nearly two miles per hour and both his skills and results improved. He posted one of the highest K rates of his career at 8.58. A ground ball, the ground ball rate continued to tick up. It was up above 48%. And he returned to using his curve as a secondary pitch, and it was very successful. If he keeps those gains with the curve, then he should be able to produce comparable results next year. Um, and I think the results will actually be a little bit better because he was a little bit unlucky. Um, if he increases the usage, there might even be more upside. We might be looking at a guy that can produce – uh, you know, 9K per nine and an ERA in the mid threes. Um, ballpark's good. It's the right league. And, um, you know, this is a guy that kind of burned some people in the past. So I think he might be a little underrated at the draft, draft table. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I owned him last year and he was pretty consistent month to month. Um, and he definitely made gains last year. I don't see how the ERA was at 4.13. Looking at the stats, you would kind of put him around one, like four, uh, 3.85. 
honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely attainable this year. If he gets to that sub three nine, which to me is the magic number, and keeps all the gains in the K, K department, then this is this is another really good pick. So far, this draft is going pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I got nothing really to add. Okay, Dick, where'd you go next? Ah, uh, the Lizard King, Miles Mikolas. <laughs> Very King. excited. What? Yeah. The, Why is he the Lizard King? Yeah, his nickname is the Lizard King. When he was with the Padres, he like ate a lizard on a live on a, <laughs> on a, on a video. You could watch it. And, oh oh man, man, I love this guy. Yeah, he's the greatest. <laughs> he just eats lizards and throws like strikes. Between and that and the mustache. Yeah, the he's great. The mustache yeah. is He's got here. everything. He's got everything. And, and you know what else he has, Pat? Three words. Can you guess him? No. Kato Walk? Cardinal Voodoo <laughs> oh, Magic. True that. Um, so, so I went from kind of liking Mikolas to really liking Mikolas to now I am in love with Mikolas. Um, the command is ridiculous. Last season in Japan, 187 Ks to 23 walks. That's just ridiculous. Um, and I just love guys with elite command. Uh, when you pair elite command with the nasty slider and curveball, we can see a big year from this guy. I don't know if you guys have seen the breaking stuff yet, but it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, unfortunately, I am terrible on computers. I try to make a GIF of it, but I failed miserably. Um, so, listen, his, his his aggressiveness, of course, could be a fault uh, in this in in the bigs, but I, I really don't think it's it's going to be. I think the Cardinals going to mold him into something sexy, and he's got really. Uh, I think the leash is long in St. Louis. You've got uh, Wainwright, who's got to be out of that rotation early in the year. He's just awful. Uh, I think he's got a, I think he'll at some point find a comfortable spot. It's just a matter of when, I don't know if it's there when the season starts because Flaherty has looked really sharp in his, well, only one start in the spring so far, but we'll see what happens as far as that goes. But I love Mikolas when he does get to get the call. Yeah, I'm, I'm much more concerned, right? I think he'll get beat up uh, being in the zone so much. Um, and in 2016, right, his his walk rate was 2.3 walks per nine. Um, so with stiffer competition, that could definitely go up. And then we're no longer talking about elite walk rates. We're talking about good walk rates. Why are you going to 2016 and not 2017? I'm just saying that recently, as All of right. tw- as of recent 2016, it was higher. Okay. So um, I I just don't like him here. Okay, Nick, let me ask you this. Are you at all concerned that he got absolutely <laughs> crushed? I am not concerned with anyone's or are first you just team. are you like John Lovitz in the wedding singer? Yes, behind the yeah, curtain. So am I. <laughs> it's I feel the, the first, same way. It's it's one start in spring training. They're stretching out. That's it. I and it was against way. Houston. I want all of my the guys I like to just get crushed yeah because <laughs> then it might drive people off them so yeah i'm not worried i i agree with nick here I, I think he's got i think he's got underrated stuff i think it ticked up in japan and i think that he's going to carry it over here uh, you know obviously not to the not to the success he had in japan but um you know i, I think that the k's are going to be there around seven and a half per nine which isn't great, but then when you factor that in with the really, really good walk rate, uh, the whip should be in good shape. 
Uh, he's going to get grounders. He's in the NL. He's in a good ballpark. Uh, I think he's, once again, much like when I said with Hap, like he, this is the perfect guy to grab yeah. as your last pitcher or two. I mean, he's drawing comps to some really, really good major league pitchers. I've seen Quintana comps. I've seen prime Gio Gonzalez comps. Um, those are really, really good pitchers. And if he ends up anywhere near what those guys have given fantasy owners in the past, this is a major yeah, profit. I agree. Pat, before you move on, so we're kind of in agreement with the fact that we think the whip is going to be low. Well, obviously, the ratio is going to be good. I think we're all in agreement with that. So what's the magic number for you with ERA? Like where, if you draft him, where do you want him to be? Where do you expect him to be? I think considering the fact that I expect him to be kind of an innings horse. Well, where do I expect him to be and where, where, where is he valuable is two different questions. Yeah. So where do you expect him to be? I expect I'm around, him to I'm around four. See, I'm a little bit higher than that. I, I would probably have him around three, seven, five. Okay. Uh, I think around four is where he's valuable. I think if he ticks higher than that, see, I kind of look at him like Jeff Samarja. Like, yeah. I think the innings are going to be there, and I think he's going to be pretty good in whip. Um, and when you combine those two things, I can carry the four ERA without much of an issue, as long as it doesn't get up above, like, 4-2. Yep, agreed. Okay, Joe, who'd you take next? Uh, yeah, so I went with uh, everyone's favorite Braves breakout candidate, Luis Gohara. So there's definitely a lot to like here, right? The absolute blazing fastball, the wicked slider, and a show me chair Um The issues here sounds are that, like um, what's his name? Denilson Lamet. Yeah. Except what? Doesn't twenty pitchers later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a lot cheaper. Yeah. The 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 issues here are that right his career high in innings pitched last year was last year, and it was only a smidge over one fifty. Um, the the really really big issue, and it was in a limited sample size of twenty something in, innings. Uh, I got it here, twenty three innings. Right, he got crushed by righties, um, and that's a problem because you got to get righties out. With that said, right, um, he's got phenomenal strikeout stuff, and again, um, like Pat mentioned, twenty some odd pitchers after a guy that's almost similar in every way. Uh, it's worth a shot here. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, guy, Pat. You go first. I was just gonna say, you guys really upset me with these back-to-back picks. If I didn't like the guy I took so much next, I would have been really, really, really disappointed. I, I love both these guys for different reasons. Gahar is a guy that's got you know that type of ceiling that we talked about with Lamette. And I think he's um a little further along on the command end. Then Lamette is. So I actually, given the opportunity to take one or the other straight up at equal cost, I would probably go Gohara because I think that he's a little closer to a finished product and a little more likely to last as a starting pitcher. Um, I, I still think that Lamette is closer to a reliever. See, I, I, I see Gohara, though. He's Don't you think he sets up so much better as a reliever? Yeah, well, he's a two-pitch pitcher. Yeah, of course. But yeah, that's, that's the problem. So the, my, my, my thing is this. If he has like – I think he's the kind of guy who's going to come out and start out hot, 
like month one, month two, throwing high heat. And if that comes down at all, he starts getting hit. They're not going to hesitate to throw him into that into that bullpen. And that bullpen right now is kind of eh. They could kind of use a little help in there. Well, so I'd argue, though, the same thing with the rotation, right? They have a lot of arms that they can yeah. fill the rotation with, but they're all really bad. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, so and it, I mean, and he's got the he's got the two pitches right now, so it kind of pays to let him try and figure out that third one in the rotation as opposed to plugging him in in the bullpen. Now, I, I will agree that he's probably going to have to figure out something to get righties out, right? Either he's going to have to figure out a way to get the slider to get righties out, ground ground righties out, or really work on the changeup because otherwise he will end up in the pen. But I just don't think this year, I think this year he'll have a leash, a big enough leash that'll figure it out. Agreed. Okay. I selected Tanner Roark, uh, fan tracks, ADP 250.35 NFBC ADP 255.84. Roark posted a career best K rate for the second consecutive year, 8.24 K per nine supported by a swinging strike rate of 10.1% and paired with a good ground ball rate of 48% plus. Barack struggled in the results department. He had a career low left on base percentage, almost 10% low below his career average, a career high BABIP nearly 20 points above his career average. These struggles occurred despite allowing just 27% hard contact. Those full season numbers look promising, but it becomes even more promising when you look at the second half. He had a 9.16 K per nine, a 3.07 K to walk rate, and a 51% ground ball percentage. The difference, you guessed it, less fastballs, more breaking and off-speed pitches, and he ended up using his four-seamer and sinker equally, giving him five pitches if you count both fastballs. We've seen the results be there before for a row arc. The contact management was equivalent with what we saw in the past. Better luck and keeping the Ks, he could, say it with me, be really good. good. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I agree with you, right? I think the regression monster reared its ugly head and a bit too far, right? He definitely got a little unlucky. Also, right, like you mentioned, the whiff rate went up, and the whiff rate went up because he continued to change his arm slot on the changeup and generated more whiffs with it. Um, with all that said, I think all of his offerings as a total package are like fairly average, and I think that's why his FIP last year was around league average. I think that's why the projections are a little bit better than league average. Um, I think he, I think he can keep the K gains. But I think he'll be right around like the four ERA, which isn't bad here. Um, if he if he keeps those K gains, if if he for whatever reason he loses it, which I don't think he will, right? Again, because he's continually changing his mechanics. Um, but if he did lose it for whatever reason, I mean, then he's pretty much useless. Yeah, and I don't know. Rorocks to me is kind of just always been that guy that floats around that later part of the draft where he kind of. For me, it's just kind of feel dirty when I take him. 
he didn't really have the key rate, but like Pat said, it really went up and it's gone up the last two years, year to year, but the second half is a beautiful thing. Once you hit that nine mark, then you get into that territory. So he's on my radar as well. Needs to, needs to bring the ERA down and he'll be uh, extremely valuable. Stay away, demon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, who'd you take next? Ah, Captain Jack. Jack Flaherty. Uh, not many guys I've spoken about uh, more than Jack this offseason. Yeah, we're tired of it. Yeah, we're tired of it, but it's, <laughs> here comes some more. Uh, there's a pattern here, people. Three words. Cardinal. Voodoo. Magic. So good. It's real. Believe in magic. Um, so last year, second half, 28.7 whiff rate on the slider. 75% ground ball rate. Uh, the walk, the walk rate, the walk rate was way higher than any previous year's pitch in the minors. So I expect that to come down. And the bat pip was 322. That'll come down as well. He looks extre- He looked extremely sharp in his first spring outing. If anybody watched it, um, he kind of reminds me a bit of Patrick Corbin. Uh, he has his bread and butter pitch. He just needs to find something to complement it. I absolutely love this kid. Um, I think he's the guy that gets that five spot to start. Uh, and at some point, Mikolas will squeeze into that rotation somewhere, but uh, he, I, I just think this kid is in in line for a really big year this year. Sub four ERA, nice K rate, low walk rate. It's gonna be good. Innings pitched, man. That's what it comes down to for me. I'm concerned. Why? I just don't know if it. There's a lot of mouths to feed there. Yeah, I I, I agree. But like I said, I think Wainwright is gonna be out of that rotation, like very soon. Yeah. What about Reyes? Reyes isn't going to be you back until, like, ten? what, August? No. Yeah, I think Reyes. Is it that late? Well, he's going to start probably in the pen. He's going to be in the minors for a little bit. Yeah, I think if Reyes gets into the rotation, it's going to be an attrition thing, um, you know, where they've had a couple of injuries, whatnot. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that I see Reyes as a threat to Flaherty at this point. Um, you know, he could be – if Nick's right and Flaherty starts the season in the rotation, he could be the guy that bumps Flaherty out when Flaherty hits his innings limit. Are you guys over? Which, which I'm not sure what it is. How many innings did Flaherty throw last year? Uh, only like 20-something. I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it. Uh, are you guys over under um, 120? I mean, it's hard to project. I have to see but- what his innings total was last year. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, total, go, I'm gonna go with uh, one sixty-eight, one sixty-nine. Okay, so he's he's pretty close to a full workload. Yeah. So there shouldn't be an innings cap. Nope. Um, give me about one fifty for Flaherty at the oh, major wow. league level. That's good. Okay, if he gets to one fifty, then this is a really good pick. Yeah. This is like really good. Like at three, his his. For for everyone's reference, right? His ADP is three fifty seven, and on Fantrax, that's free, and he's going to provide value. Joe, where did, how many innings did he pitch last year? One hundred sixty eight, I said. One hundred sixty seven. Mm, oh, but not oh, not in the bigs though. Yes, between between. Correct. No, no, oh, I would okay. say yeah, about yeah, total yeah. innings. Right. Okay. Across all levels, because then at one sixty eight, there's not really a need for an innings cap. No, that's actually you could very easily good. go from one sixty eight to two hundred. Yeah, that's that's really really good. I didn't actually realize he pitched that many innings. Yeah, no, he's uh he's definitely 
an interesting candidate, especially at this point because he's so cheap. A lot of love tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll break that up right now. Oh, <laughs> here damn. Here it comes. Yeah. So uh, next up, I took, you Rick. took this guy. I know. I took I took Rick Purcello, and that's a mistake. I like um, Rick. Nah, I don't. I don't. I took him, um, and I made the mistake of taking him before really digging deeper. The ratios. Um, yeah, ratios, whatever. Dude, his his most frequent pitch, his freaking two-seam sinker, stinks. It's bad. It doesn't generate a lot of ground balls. It doesn't generate a lot of whiffs. It's it's a bad pitch. His stuff's not really that good. He barely throws 90. He's in a bad division. Um, I, I mean, sorry, Rick, but I he won the Cy Young on a fluke. Damn. He, he's, Damn. He's, he's, he's an innings eater type without any upside. No, I disagree. Joey I took this guy just to take a shit on him. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I, um, so, yeah, I'm clearly out. Yo, the, the K rate is pretty healthy. What's it, eight? Yeah. Yeah. And the walk rate, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't walk guys. That was, that was a career high of eight last year. Well, too. he doesn't walk guys, and the home run rate was, like, the highest of his career as well. Okay, the thing is, though, is him not walking guys is only relevant in a league like our home league where we have K to oh, walk no, and no one else. No, it's, it's, relevant. No, it's whip, Joe. It's relevant. Walking guys is relevant. But, um, he had a 1-4 whip. I know because his stuff wasn't that good, but you know, <laughs> but Joe, he listen. He he had a three twenty four BABIP, and listen, the ERA four six five. It could come down to something like four point one zero this year, and in that oh, case, yeah. if it is, and he maintains the ratios, which he will, we have no, there's no signs that he won't. I, I think he's rosterable, and I like him. Give a little luck. A little what? luck goes a long way. Look at the BABIP year to year. If he gets lucky again. I mean, his his, his career BABIP is 309. It's not like it's... No, it's I know. It's not like but, he's like a BABIP suppressor. Well, no. In 2016, that's yeah, the reason why his ERA was... 2016... I know. Looks like His ground crowd. ball rate's also going the wrong way. Exactly. That was the and, thing that really leaped out to he, me. And he throws a sinker no, why did and you it doesn't do anything. Because I was sitting there saying to myself, man, Rick Purcello... Like he's like a year removed from winning the Cy Young, and he was really good, and he found the keys. And then I looked, and I saw that ground ball rate was below forty percent, and I was like, "Oh man, yo, why? That's not good. Why? Because I I told you I made a mistake. (laughs) Panicked. All right. Well, I like him. Okay, I'm not going to poop all over this next guy, Sean Mania. (laughs) 243.91 243.91 fan tracks ADP NFBC ADP of 251.39. Now, if I can take a page out of my colleague's book, if you take away one month, he was awesome. Oh boy. In go. August, he threw 17 plus innings of over nine ERA ball with seven K's and six walks. He was dreadful. Otherwise, 141.1 innings, mm-hmm. a 3.75 ERA, and an 8.5K per nine. I think he may have been fighting an injury or simply struggling with his changeup. Uh, the pitch struggled mightily in the month of August, and his release point varied wildly yes. from every other previous measured point. I think Manaya is a classic post-type guy. He still has a friendly ballpark to call home. He still has the stuff to take a step or even a leap up the board 
I think he just needs to tweak a bit. So I actually literally wrote the same sort of thing, right? Um, I wonder if he was hurt, and we can probably write off the month of August. He was terrible. But how come we can write off the month of August for Manaya <laughs> and we can't write off the month of May for Tanaka? Because Manaya is going... I took Manaya as the 72nd oh, starting Oh, that's, that's bad logic. So ridiculous. And you're so taking ridiculous. Tanaka as, like, the 24th? That's poor logic. Or higher? Man, I don't buy logic. it. Bad form. What do you mean it's poor logic? I'm bad investing... Form. All right, well, here's some more logic. Take away... Take away Russell Manaya's best month, which is Russell what? Manaya. <laughs> yeah, Russell no, Manaya. Is Russell Manaya. No, Russell WrestleMania. Russell Manaya. Take oh away. Take away his. What kind of joke is that? I know, Shut up! You don't even get to talk. <laughs> Go to the next guy. God. Fine. But, but no, I'm saying, you truly are the Dark listen, Lord. <laughs> you take away his best month because you want to get his worst month. Take away his best month when he had a two point five ERA, and then what do you got? You got like a freaking seven ERA. So it could go either way, and stop being no. on Tanaka, you bum. Yeah, I well, mean, if for, I would do that with Tanaka, it would be the same. But okay, yeah. for, for me, right, I'm willing to look past uh, Tanaka's May, and I'm also willing to look past Manaya's August. And I do generally agree with you, Pat, that I think this is a, a good pick here. I agree, and the, the swinging strike rates are really nice on the changeup slider. I, I'm with it. Yeah, he's um, got the stuff. So I, I bring it back. I bring it back home. The next guy. Um, I think we're all on board with this guy. Oh, this is my son. To yeah, an extent. What do you mean it's your son? What does that even mean? Oh, he's our guy. Oh, yeah, he's our guy. Pat's claiming it as his son, though, and it doesn't <laughs> make sense. Um, the next guy is Pat's son, Josh Hader. Let's bring him up. Um, yeah, so listen, take a shot. If he gets the point if, – if we get to some point this season where we hear rumblings that he's getting stretched out, he's going to be the hottest region out there. And it's not even going to be close. Everyone's going to be, it's going to be a mad rush to go grab him. So draft him, stash him, because even as a reliever, he's still going to be, he's going to get you the K's. And just hold on to him and hope the opportunity comes. He's got three good pitches. The slider, though, is absolutely ridiculous. Go on YouTube, go do what you can, just go watch this thing. It's, it's, it's bananas. Um, this team is going to compete. And, my thinking is that he's going to make the rotation because it's so bad. It is so bad. Why not put him in there? Um, I think he's going to find a way, and if he does, he's going to be an absolute K machine and an absolute steal. See, so uh, I agree with you, right, that um, he's got value in the bullpen. I agree with you that the fastball and the slider are elite, and I think he's actually got strikeout upside, as crazy as that sounds, because the the – the slider was underutilized last year, and it is truly elite. Okay, now, with that said, right, he's got now, I think, close to 155-ish innings of poor control between the majors and the minors. So I'm not as op optimistic as you are that he'll be in the rotation, and I think they're going to look to outside help to fill the rotation needs. With that said, though, he's still awesome as a reliever. Yeah, he's going to be an asset as a reliever if that's where he ends up. Uh, this is a guy that's going to give you, at worst, Brad Peacock, 90 innings of fantasticness. And he'll be even better than Peacock because the K rate's going to be higher. But 
I disagree with Nick. I do not think that he's going to end up in the rotation at the start of the year. Uh, they have brought in numerous arms at the back end. Uh, they have young well, I, arms I, I that are interesting as well. I never said we wanted to start. I, I you think did he's... say that, but mm, okay, that's was, that's besides the point. Um, you know, they've got Brandon Woodruff, who's interesting. They've got uh, they signed Jehuli Sassine. They signed yes, but this is the way major league teams think. So like, I, you, I agree with you. If it was me. I would say I'm going to roll my best pitchers and I would roll Josh Hader out there being that he's up and he's ready to go and my team is ready to win. But major league teams don't think that way for whatever reason. So and I believe they've come out and they've said Hader is going to be in the bullpen. So I do think that Hader does get a shot to start at some point during the year. I do think that, Come July or August, they decide to stretch him out and put him in and almost try to use him as a uh, late-season trade acquisition um, to add to the rotation. And I do think he can do it. Um, I, I, I agree with Joe. The control and the command aren't great, but I think he just needs to take a small step forward in that regard, and then he becomes uh, you know, an extremely – useful starting pitcher. And even if he's five innings in a cloud of dust, they're going to be five fantastic innings. Um, again, I would channel what Brad Peacock gave Houston last year um, yeah, but as an example. If and not, But not only is the rotation pretty bad, but the pen is like extremely loaded. I just, the value is in the rotation. And I think it gets there, not like super early to start the season, but I think by like, Early June, I could see Let him me, in there. Uh, do you? Do either of you know um, a general sense of where Andrew Miller is going? ADP wise, yeah, probably like one twenty, maybe. If I had to guess, I would say probably about one thirty, but I don't know why uh, specifically. Why? Because right, haters not going to give you the ERA. Yeah, but haters going like a hundred, hundred. Something that's that's exactly my point, right? Like he's not gonna give you the ERA that Andrew Miller is, but he's gonna be pretty damn close in strikeouts per nine. And he's going 150 picks later. Yeah, he walks more guys. Yeah, but the ERA was solid last year. It was 2.08. Yeah, but again, right? Walks. I mean, walks matter for WHIP, but it's not gonna kill you in in yeah. a standard league. Doing. All right. Uh, I took Cole Hamels next. Um, so with Hamels. Um, it's really all about velocity, right? He was hurt last year. Uh, Nick uh, mentioned some interesting stuff to us offline um, that pretty much as soon as he got hurt, he was awful. Um, and that was uh, his... He pulled his abdomen, right? I think mm -hmm. it was. Right, yeah, which which is a killer. Um, he's a really good bounce-back candidate, but he's a wait-and-see sort of guy, right? We have to get some reports from spring training about the velo. If it's anywhere close to what it was, I'm in. If it's down again, uh, he's pretty much not rosterable. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in. Uh, we talked, we did talk about it online, uh, online. Oh God, I said that makes me sound old, uh, but we did talk about it recently. And 
it's not too long ago, 2016, where he had a really nice year and he hovered around 9K per, Ks per nine and he wound up with a 3.32 ERA. So chalk last year up to injuries and take a shot. Uh, Steamer's projections are pretty good, except for the ERA. Um, but I, I, I like him this year. I think I think he's going to come back, but he is the guy to watch during spring training because like so Joe said, if the velo goes back up, it's automatic. He's going to be good. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's a guy to watch during spring training. Just want to backtrack it because I've got the ADP now. Andrew Miller, 186. So wow. they're about 100 picks. 200, about 100 picks apart. That's actually a little bit better, honestly. Yeah. I, yeah if it was like 130, runs. 140, I'd be like, this is a no-brainer. But 100 picks, I, I'm actually okay with that, I think. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, I took Jimmy Nelson next. Uh, Fantrax EDP 306.28, NFBC EDP 302.39. Now, winding the clocks back, a month ago, my unnamed co-host, mm. <coughs> calling him out, boldly proclaimed he would take Jimmy Nelson inside the top 30. So to my surprise... He was still there as the 75th pitcher on the board. And 15th amongst those we will discuss tonight. So Nick had five turns through the order to take Jimmy <laughs> Nelson that didn't take him. I also took him in the great fantasy baseball invitational mock that I participated in. So clearly I'm on the higher end of the spectrum. Um, Nelson had a huge breakout year last year. Yes, he's still recovering from injury and – but that recovery is apparently going well. If I can get 75% of the innings from Nelson at 90% of what he gave owners last year, this is going to be a big-time profit. Uh, Nelson can provide a huge boost to a rotation and potentially provide tra a trade chip or, or trade chips for down the road because he's going to push everybody down uh, a rung on your rotation. He's an ideal stash candidate and is going at stash prices unless you're in a league with someone who will actually take him as a top 30 starting pitcher. Yeah. And another guy that changed his arm slot and it really, really worked yeah. for him. I, I loved Jimmy since, Oh my God, since like 2014, I've been waiting for him to come up and I kind of, I, I, I saw it coming. All right. I saw it coming. He's got ridiculously good breaking stuff, a good all around pitch, pitch mix. Um, and you know what? If he comes back in like late May, early June, this is a really good ADP to grab him. Look at the stats from last year. He made major games. They were all deserve, uh, deserve, deserving. Um, and he's going to carry that K to walk right into this year. Uh, if he floats around 10, doesn't walk guys like he did last year, and has a sub 3 5 ERA, boom. Just hope for 100, and, 100 plus innings, and it'll be money in the bank. So, Nick, why did he drop 50 spots? Because I thought he was going to make it back to me. That's why. I'm like, oh, he's going to make it back to me the next round. Over, over, under 100 innings, both of you. Over. Slightly over. Um, slightly over. Me too. Um, slightly under. Okay, but are you okay with him here? Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move to the next guy. This is going to be a love fest. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's my go? Mm-hmm. All right, the next pick, I took Randy Johnson, a.k.a. <laughs> AJ Puck. My um, other son. Yeah, he's like 
really good. Um, another All my guy, kids made the major leagues. This another guy who, if he gets a shot, he is not going to look back. Him and him and um, uh, Honeywell were kind of neck and neck for me. I gave uh, Honeywell a slight uh, boost ahead of him, but uh, you you got to love this kid. His slider is absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous fastball. He's a sure bet for the K's. Close your eyes. He's going to hover around ten. Um, if his changeup can evolve, he can be scary, scary good. He doesn't give up home runs. He induces ground balls. I think he gets the call earlier in the year because of how weak the rotation is and how that team is kind of sneaky good. So I think he'll be – I'm projecting that he's going to be up like end of April, maybe even earlier. And if he does, oh, my God, ladies and gentlemen, this kid is going to go wild. Well, there's no way the A's are going to give any player a chance at Super 2. So definitely not in April. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm okay with uh, the earliest as possible projection. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Puck. I'm, I mean, Joe and I took him extremely early on in his career before he was even drafted. What was in it? Two, two, three, two years ago? Three years ago? Yeah, something like that. Um you know, I think he's got fantastic stuff. I think he's got a, uh, you know, borderline ace upside, um, very good velocity, great slider. Uh, he's a bit like Hater uh, in that he's got some control and some command issues, but I think he's a little better in that area than Hater, um, and probably has a little bit lower ceiling overall than Hater does. Because uh, if Hader ever figures it out, he's an ace. I, I think Puck is, uh, you know, the top 20 starter at his highest. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the stuff. I think he's got a chance to come up this year fairly early on. I'd probably put it about um, mid-June if the A's are competitive. Uh, so, yeah, post-Super 2, as Joe said. Um, but I have no problem taking him here because I think when he does come up, uh, I think he will pitch pitch well. I have a question for both of you really quick. Sure. Um, putting aside the Honeywell injury, let's say he didn't get injured. Who do you guys like better in a vacuum, Honeywell or Puck? Honeywell. Honeywell. Okay, yeah, me too. But you would really have to strain to find a pitcher that I think but then, uh, is at the minor league level that's better than Honeywell. Did you have Puck? Like for me, it was Honeywell, Puck, and then everyone else. In terms of like, uh, like prospects, potential, yeah. For this year, yeah, or overall, yeah, yeah, this year and like let's say the year after. Uh, well, mm, no, not quite. Okay, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. That's a tough question. On off the top of my head, I would say yes. Yeah, off I the top of my head, to... I'd say yes too. I would definitely want to caveat that with like being able to look at my prospect ranks, which I can't do at this moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the name that jumps out right is like someone like Giolito, and I definitely take Puck over Giolito. Okay, Pat. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not a big fan of Giolito at all. Yeah. All right. So uh, next up, I took Marco Estrada. Um, he's another guy in Toronto that just doesn't really get a lot of love. Um, so he he changed his changeup grip, um, and he had all sorts of success over the past two years, 2015 and 2016. He ran into some trouble last year. Um, he gave up a lot more home runs. Um, he had some personal issues, and he also, for whatever reason, tweaked the 
the changeup grip a little bit, um, which I think contributed to the home runs. Um, with that said, last year seems more like an anomaly, uh, given his recent success. And um, he's another guy that I think Toronto really liked because of uh, his 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 high spin rates on his pitches. Um, you know, he's going at 300, which is essentially last pick taken. Um, and, you know, if he comes out and he's, he's pitching duds again, you can just drop him. But if not, I mean, we're looking at like a mid three ZRA with a mid eight K per nine. I mean, that's really, really good. It's not, it's not wow good, but, um, it's a nice innings eater type pitcher for free. That. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Estrada's always been a guy that's been an asset and whip uh, because of his profile and his ability to generate pop-ups. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to give him a pass for last year, knowing um, what we know about what went on in, in his health and, and in his personal life. I, I'm willing to say, all right, well, last year I'll give him a pass. And, you know, this is a steep discount for a guy that could be, you know, mid-high threes ERA with like a sub one-two whip. Um, so, yeah, I'm with it. I, I think it's actually a really good pick here. Yeah, and if you take away June's 9.11 ERA, he would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, again, I'm okay with that at this point. Um, all right, so I'm going to bring up a guy that, I drafted and I've mentioned several times tonight, Brad Peacock, uh, NFBC 236.56 ADP. Um, you know, we talked last week about elite innings and that's what this play is cashing in on somewhere between 80 and 110 elite innings. Um, and hoping for more if an injury strikes in the Astros rotation, Charlie Martin, Charlie Martin, Lance McCullers, uh, Those are the two big ones. Ky- Garrett Cole. Keichel. Yeah, all this hurt. goes on. Um, Peacock slider dominated hitters last year. He incorporated a sinker for the first time at the MLB level. And with two fastballs and a slider, Peacock was able to dominate lineups for about five innings at a time. Um, but, you know, that was basically it. He usually got the quick hook. Uh, if he could find a third pitch – uh, we could be talking about a tier two or tier three starting pitcher, um, as Peacock has already dom- has already demonstrated uh, ten plus K per nine stuff. But even without it, he proved he could be an asset last year in the rotation, and at minimum, he's a ratio helping multi inning reliever, um, going for a pretty good price. I'll let the Astro guy take this. Oh, I mean, I don't really have anything to add in that. I think he's probably a safe bet to get over 100 innings, like Pat mentioned, because I think someone's going to get hurt. I don't know who it is. Someone's going to get hurt. Um, Yeah, he's got... Let me ask you this, because this is something that I struggled with. Sure. Is if someone gets hurt, is he the guy or is it McHugh? I think it's actually McHugh. I think people got it backwards. Uh, I, th- I think you might be right. Um, with that said, I still think you might end up starting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, teams use an average of, what, like nine or ten starters on a year? Yeah. So they're those both those guys are going to get their turn. But, yeah, I, I do think it's McHugh. Um, 
because I think Peacock leaves this lasting impression of being so dominant out of the bullpen. Whereas McHugh was good, but he's, he's not the same level as Peacock is. No, yeah, Peacock, no. And just to put that into, into perspective, Peacock has a 1.77 ERA in the pen, 3.22 as a starter. Those are both really good. Yeah, <laughs> both, but, but the reliever side is like really, really yeah, good. Yeah, he's – and Peacock's got that reliever profile, and I don't think McHugh's – profile will play up as well in the pen. Like I think McHugh is uh, like the perfect, like fourth starter on a good team. And that's amazing that the Shuros are so deep in their starting rotation that, you know, they have these two guys that are like perfect fourth starters. Yeah. And Peacock might even be more. Yeah, but McHugh, McHugh hits they're like their sixth and seventh. Man. They're like their sixth and seventh starting pitchers. It's it's unbelievable. Have you ever seen the bad Colin McHugh? Because it could get really bad. <sighs> yeah, but he's he's so you've feisty. Always, you've always been a McHugh guy. <laughs> I've always I, I was on him that year he broke yeah. out, and it is uh, it is something I remember fondly. But okay, uh, enough reminiscing. Let's move to the next pick. All right, my next pick. Even though Pat hates it, I like it. Lucas yeah, Giolito. I don't like him. Yeah, former I don't like first, him either. Well, that's fine. You can hate all you want. Hate, <laughs> hate, 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 hate. Um, the former first round pick, super highly touted. Now a post hype sleeper, in my opinion. Uh, I do like the stuff. The fastball and curve is strong. Uh, the changeup worked well last year as well. It had a nice uh, swinging strike rate, uh, which is really encouraging considering how good the curve is. Uh, if the velo can tick back up. And he can carry the the gains that he's made with his changeup. He's got potential to break out. Uh, he looked decent last year in 45 innings pitched. He carried a sub 2.5 ERA. Um, there was definitely some luck involved. I know one of you's in a fire back with that. Um, but you damn I, right. Yeah, and that's fine. You can. Uh, I'll take it. But uh, I, I'm, I believe in the pedigree. I believe in the pitcher. I believe in the stuff. And. I think we could see a breakout here. And, and you know what? It might not come this year. It's going to come eventually, but it could start this year. It could start. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fastball velo is super concerning. Yeah, it is. Um, couple that with the crazy amount of walks. I mean, I, I I just don't really like him anymore. I mean, he, he, was, he was highly touted for, in part, the blazing fastball. And it has just, it's gone. It's, it's, a, it's an average an, an average speed pitch now, and he's that, like and it's he's also straight as an hour uh, as an as an arrow. He's tw- yeah, he's twenty three, man. Like he was throwing bullets in Washington, and now he can he can barely hit ninety three. Yeah, and I don't think the command is great. Um, so I mean, you're talking about a guy with average fastball command, and uh, and on top of that, a fastball that doesn't move much and then doesn't have the command necessary to really harness his breaking pitches. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe it's one of these things where he's, uh, you know, he hit an injury and the fastball velo will come back and that'll tie it all together. Or maybe his command takes a step forward. These are all possible. These are all possibilities, but I'm just like Giolito is like an upside play, right? So like, even if that occurs, I don't know that there's this grand, like superb value there that 
is worth um, investing in. I mean, like to me, like I'd much rather have uh, Michael Kopech, name a guy on the same team. Like, because Kopech could come up and completely blow the league away uh, in terms of raw stuff. Yeah, and, and right, his fastball and slider combo are still there. Yeah, and so if I'm if I'm going like Giolito is kind of like stuck in that middle where he's not safe enough uh, or, or or boring enough to be you know Marco Estrada, but he's also doesn't have the upside of AJ Puck, Michael Kopech, and and I went deliberately went back to Kopech because. Kopech would be the guy that I would probably have in front of Puck. Puck? Yeah. Yeah, just because of 100 miles per hour. <laughs> you can't teach that. <laughs> um, okay. All right, so I think we spent enough time on Giolito. Let's move to the next guy. Joe? Yeah, so I went with uh, another former Astro, Joe Musgrove. Um, so there's two big things for me with Musgrove, right? The uh, the first is his big flaw in having to limit um, the home runs. A lot of his value is tied to limiting home runs. And, man, let me tell you, watching him sometimes is frustrating because he gives up a lot. Um, but moving to Pittsburgh should help that. Um, should help in a big way. The second, uh, the second point I want to make, too, is that now that he has a defined role in the rotation – um, I think that can help his psyche, right? Getting He was getting tossed back and forth um, as a swingman and a starter. Um, and I think he's just going to be able to be given the time to improve as a pitcher. Um, I think he can beat his estimators and maybe sneak into the really high three ZRA. He'll have strong K to walk ratios um, and he'll, he'll be respectable in whiffs. And, and, and strikeouts in total. It's just uh, it really just limiting those home runs, which I think, again, the move to Pittsburgh will help. Yeah, I'm, I'm with this in a big way. Um, he's going to finally get a shot, like you said. And um, I've always been a fan of Musgrove's. I, I like the ratios. He's got good command. Uh, he's got good K stuff. I think we could see the K rate tick up around 8.5, which would be money, considering that the, the walk rate will probably be around, what, like 2 point, I don't know, Two, 2.20, something like that. Um, so, yeah, and the move to the ballpark is, is a big plus. If that ERA comes down to sub four, this is a pretty sweet-looking player right here. I like it. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think Musgrove needs to um, maintain the velocity that he gained uh, late last year to really avoid those blow-ups. Uh, and there was a report, I believe it was Enosaurus that put it out, um, that he attributed the velocity gain not to going to the pen, but to a mechanical change. So if that is the case, he is very interesting at this price, and I believe he's a value. But let me ask you this. How concerned are the two of you about the shoulder? Joe? Mm, not really. You think it's just early spring training BS? Yeah. Everybody's sore right now. Yeah, I agree. I I agree. I, that's why I put it out there. Okay, I, I took Dan Straley with my next pick. Fantrax 
NFBC 320.18. Australia is sort of the anti-hater, anti-peacock, anti-elite innings guy. But he's perfect at the back end of a rotation for livable innings. Last two years, 370-plus innings. And the Marlins are going to be counting on him for volume again. If you put them together with Brad Peacock, you could end up with 300 very solid innings. Um, he makes an ideal bench guy because his splits are very predictable. Uh, he's a fly ball pitcher. You start him at home and in favorable ballparks. His ERA at home is 3.57, um, where he's pitching, where homers are an issue. You simply sit him um, because I believe his ERA was nearly five in on the road. And I would imagine that most of that comes from ballparks that are less than favorable. I used to think when this guy was coming up that he was going to be like amazing when he was with the Oakland A's, like back in like 2013. Yeah, we loved him. Yeah, yeah, we did. I was a big fan, but I don't know, man. I'm surprised you like him. I'm surprised you like him, Pat, because uh, the ground ball rate is pretty bad. The home run rate is pretty bad. Uh, it's not usually your style, in my opinion. Um, I, I, think I would agree got, with that. Yeah, um, I, I'm generally, but and I get that he's in a, a favorable stadium, and you know maybe the home run rate comes down or whatever. But I just see him as what he is. I think he's going to be an over four ERA guy with. Uh, I think the carry might come down to like the eight area. I think eight four two is a little. Uh, I think that's his upside. And in that case, when he comes down and maybe the walk rate goes up a little bit, as we've seen in years past, that's been a problem. Then he's almost unrosterable. So I'm kind of out on Australia now. Yeah, I just I really couldn't figure out why he got strikeout gains. I couldn't see anything mechanically that he changed. I I just really couldn't figure it out. So um, I'm kind of with you, Nick. I think he might even dip lower than eight K per nine. Okay, Nick. Let's talk about Jarrell Cotton. Ah, here we go. Um, so apparently, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, wait. You took Cotton last year, right? Oh, man. I got burnt. <laughs> oh, you got burnt bad. He was so bad. Yeah. Um, so apparently, apparently, he suffered from lack of confidence last year. Oh, and, is that is that it? Hey, that's, hey. That's listen. like every day of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, listen, uh, he struggled mightily. He gave up home runs that are ridiculous. One point nine five home runs for nine clips. So um, yeah, he was walking more guys. He was all over the place. And oh, having said that, those are not in his. Those numbers don't match what he's done in years past. So he was all over the place, and I, I think he bounces back. The one thing we could all agree on is that he has one of the filthiest changeups change in baseball. He's still so young. Um, he developed the cutter, which is a pitch. I love. I'm sure you two uh, do as well. Um, and so far, he looks really good in spring training in one game, two innings pitched. Uh, but in those two innings pitched, five Ks, no walks, no hits. Obviously, this is a tiny sample size. But I, I love Cotton. I think he bounces back and he kills Sidney Prescott's mom, and he is awesome. Yeah, I mean – that's a scream. Oh, that's a that's a that's a scream reference for anyone out there who just got really weirded out by that statement. The, the, it's in a, it's the, in a for, our, for for our younger listeners, yeah, the, the changeup is like oh man, it's so frustrating because the changeup is so good, 
so good. But it's so bad at the same time. Like results wise, it was just awful. It it was so bad last year. Um. Uh, I mean, I I guess at three ninety ADP. <laughs> uh, yeah, why not? Why not? But like he. Even even if I drafted him, I'm not starting him until I see a good start. Because he can kill you. Yeah. Pat? I'm like Fox Mulder. I just want to believe. Come on, man. Jump on the train. We love that, Cotton. That change-up is filth. Filthy. Um, I, no, I, 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 I do think that there is... I, I think you have to approach him like Joe said. I think after last year, you draft him as a bench piece. You do not plug him in for the first few weeks until he provides you with, um, you know, a fairly safe baseline. Or it doesn't even have to be a fairly safe baseline because, you know, I mean, everybody, every pitcher is susceptible to blowups now and again. But you need to watch him. You need to see where the velo is. You need to see where he's throwing the fastball. Um, and you need to see if he's generating the whiffs, et cetera. You know, this is a, this is an investment where, um, his price is a bench price and you need to treat him as a bench piece. Uh, but he has considerable upside, uh, beyond being a bench piece. Yeah. And if he's bad, you still get the really good gifs, all the scream gifs <laughs> of cotton weary. They're really fun. <laughs> cotton. Can we talk? <laughs> perfect perfect all right so next up i went with uh jake odorizzi we talked about him uh a bit i think it's top half of last last uh, episode um yeah so i think odorizzi lost a feel for slider and cutter last year as uh i was looking at his breakdown um and they just didn't break as much as the year before and in and in 2015 i think 20 2016 they were they were tucked in the very bottom corner, um, and outside of the zone to generate a lot of whiffs. Um, in 17, 2017, last year they were up higher. Um, so I think he, he just lost a feel for those two pitches, um, which ultimately resulted in more walks. Like I said uh, before last time on the last show, I think the move to the central helps him. Um, so I think he could end up with an ERA being in the high threes. Um, with that said, I actually do think 262 is probably a little bit too high. Um, that's why I have him. I took him at 83. I think he's a little bit further back than that. Um, with that said, he's. I think he could improve. He is Mr. Innings Eater. He's like the guy I always reference as an innings eater. Yeah. And yeah, I don't mind it. He's got a little bit of J.A. Happ in him. I don't mind it. Um, I just think it lacks upside at this point. Uh, but to round out your rotation, as you're maybe your six, possibly your five, it's not bad. It's not bad. He's not going to kill you. No, I, I do think he'll be a little better in Minnesota because he gets away from those other offenses and those uh, you know ballparks that are very hitter friendly. Um. And he also, I also saw something today that he had to change his mechanics mid-year because he was hurt. And that was where he started to give up home runs at the rate that he did. 
I mean, he's always been a guy that's given up home runs, but I believe last year it got crazy at one point. Um, so hopefully he gets that ironed out. And, you know, he says he's healthy. So um, maybe there is a little bit of upside there. I mean, he's a guy that has approached, I believe he's had a season where he was down at 3.3 in terms of ERA. I don't think I'd put his upside that high at this point. I would say maybe mid threes is probably where he caps out. Um, but yeah, your guys' analysis is correct. He's he's an innings eater um, with a tiny bit of upside. Okay, I, I took Steven Matz next. Uh, Fantrax ADP three sixteen, NFBC three thirty four point two five. Matz was terrible last year. Uh, completely fell apart. He was hurt, start the year. Uh, he returned. He stopped throwing his slider. He got pummeled, and then he got hurt again. Um, this offseason, Matt's had ulnar nerve transposition surgery. Uh, it's the same surgery that Jacob deGrom had. You can't count on Matt's for innings, but I think the results will return to form after the surgery and with the new regime in town. Maybe they can keep him healthy. Um, you need to remember that we're just one year removed from Matt's being taken as a top 30 talent in terms of starting pitcher. At that time, we said all that's missing is the innings. But those skills, the Ks, the whiffs, the pitches, they're all still in there. With health, this could be a pitcher that could provide 130-ish really good innings. And at a cost of pitchers who we're talking about that could completely blow up your ERA and whip and that you're going to pray don't do that on a start-by-start basis. Um, and yeah, we record this tonight and Matt's had a bad outing today, but it's not a bad thing for you if you like him. He didn't pitch that poorly. Uh, it was you know a couple of blue pits. And a couple of walks from outside the stretch, and boom, he had given up five earned in an inning and two-thirds. Um, overall, I thought the stuff looked pretty good, and I'm still on board. Yeah, I'm definitely willing to take a flyer on, on Matt's here. Although, at this point, we could definitely say he is extremely injury-prone. You can't say anything. up. You can't mention fluke. You can't mention anything else. He's just flat-out made of glass. But – if he somehow gets to that 100 inning mark, forget about it. I mean, he could be really good. Last year, the inconsistencies were really hard to look at because he went through extremely bad cold spells. But when he's good, he's good. And I believe in this stuff, and I'm willing to take a shot here, so I'm with it. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely hurt last year, and that's yeah. why he was so bad. Um, yeah, I'm with you both. I'm willing to take a shot, and I think it's a really good shot to take. Okay. Let's move it to Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller. 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 All right, we could go on forever, but let's <laughs> not. Um, so at this point, I'm an upside guy. I like to spend the last like five picks of every draft I'm in, whether it be football or baseball. And I like to take extremely high risk, high reward players. And Bueller. Ferris Bueller is one of those guys. Um, uh, actually, I don't think he's much of a risk because if he comes up and plays, he's going to be good. He's got the K potential. He's got a sick curveball. He throws stinking hot cheese, 100-mile-per-hour fastballs. He's 23. He's had a lot of positives. 
the negative is that he plays with the Dodgers, and they are the weirdest team in baseball when it comes to their rotation. But you've got you look at the rotation. You've got Rich Hill, who is made of glass. You've got Kent Ameda, who they had uh, uh, zero hesitation uh, to throw into the bullpen. Ryu, the same. Um, even Wood. I think Wood has cemented himself into that rotation now. But you look at what they did with him in the past, and they're just a weird team. They're not afraid to throw guys in the pen. Um, so if Bueller does come up, and find his way into the rotation, he could be he could be really special. I'm a big believer in this stuff. Yeah, I, I like the prospect quite a bit. Um, he's definitely in that AJ Puck, Michael yeah, Kopech, yeah, easy definitely. class. Um, you know, he's the the only concern that I have with Bueller is just that that Dodger rotation again. There's just a lot of mouths to feed, even with the trade of McCarthy and Casimir. I mean, Brock Stewart's a guy that could still get a shot. Um, they go five deep at the MLB level. They have Urias coming back. Um, Bueller looked pretty good out of the pen last year. So um, I think he's going to start at AAA, and he could get the call fairly early on. But I just don't know how many major league innings there are. Um, well, speaking of major league innings, he's only thrown 102 professional innings. Okay, so yeah, so he like maxes out around 140. Oh no, that wasn't even last year. That's 2017 and 2016 combined. He's oh, only okay. thrown 102 professional innings. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he's got a ton of redraft upside with that sort of workload. Yeah. Uh I I I agree. I just don't I don't know. I don't see it yet. Um I think t- 2019 he's going to be drafted um in like that Honeywell territory, but in 18 I don't know, I just don't see it. Okay, let's move it to Kopech then. Yeah, so Kopech, I mean, we kind of we kind of touched on him. Um, he's got the strikeout stuff, right? He's got that the triple digit fastball, um, the above average slider. He's get, he's got all the strikeout stuff that you want. Um, he's got a little bit of a of, of a control a command issue at times. Um, I, I think what'll end up probably happening is he'll get a good shot at the rotation, right? I mean, he's definitely going to start. the The White Sox stink, um, so I can see him. Coming out, guns a blazing, pitching really well in the first half, and then fading a bit in the second half as Lee kind of catches up to him. He probably gets a little bit tired from major league innings. Um, with that said, though, right? He again, he's got the he's got the stuff. He's probably got the job. Um, there's a lot to like here. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, I, I don't want to touch on old ground. I, I think Kopak is a guy that has a pretty elite ceiling um, and at minimum has a dynamite reliever floor, um, you know, long-term. But I think this year is going to be, uh, you know, a shot where he uh, gets a rotation spot sometime in June and is allowed to carry it through. Uh, you know, remember this is a team that's given Carson Fulmer um you know, what is going to be a pretty significant major league sample as a starter. 
and he is not doesn't have nearly the upside that Kopech does have as starter. So I think Kopech's going to get a shot to start. Uh, the control, the command might be a little iffy, but he's got the kind of stuff that can blow batters away, uh, even if the command and the control aren't perfect. So I, I love this play as an upside play. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to add much. Like you said, the command and the, tro- the control are key when he comes up. Okay, uh, my next pick, I selected Eduardo Nunez. This is a good uh, pick. Fantrax 308.6, NFPC 335.8. Another late starter to the season and another pitcher with high-level skills. Uh, Erod posted a caper 9 near 10 last season. Still only 25. He's learning at the highest level and improving. Uh, Shaved more than half a run off his ERA in 2017. He added nearly 1.5 Ks per 9 from 2016 to 2017. Um, he does have his warts. Uh, injuries and inconsistencies have plagued him. Rodriguez is a fly ball pitcher in an era and a division that's not too kind to fly balls. But his contact management has been pretty good in terms of limiting hard contact. Career, he's just a 30.1% hard contact rate. Uh, that's pretty good right now. Um, Rodriguez needs the slider to take a step forward or to utilize a different breaking pitch. His fastball is plus. His changeup is plus. There's a lot to build on. Yeah, I I like it. And one thing you didn't mention, which is I think the best thing you could take from last year, is 22% swinging strike rate on the changeup. That's that's a really, really good number. And I've always been a a believer in Rodriguez. I I think I was the first one to want him in our home league. Um, He's just got to make another stride a little bit. And he could definitely be a nice late flyer. I like him. Yeah, yeah. The stride is uh, uh like what I said with uh, Faria and Montgomery, right? He's got the slider and the cutter to deal with righties. He's got the changeup to deal with lefties. He's just got to use it more against lefties. Um, and if he does, there's some there's some real nice upside with Erod. I mean, this was this was a really good pick here, Pat. Um, I, I think he's. I think you could definitely return some value at 308 ADP. Uh, all, right. all right. Am I, am I up? Yep. All right. My next guy, Andrew Triggs. We all remember him from last year, right? Remember that first month of baseball when he was absolutely ridiculous and everyone wanted him and everyone who owned him was just like, ah, I'm so smart. Triggs. Um, <laughs> I no, can't no, get no, no. no, Triggs... that gif out of my head, though. No, whenever I see Andrew Triggs' name, I got to go, Triggs, you one crazy son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> Leak the weapon reference. Yeah, so, yeah, he had an absolutely insane March, April. One, uh, one eight four ERA, 193 batting average against. Um, I, I really like the player. Here's a nice... Uh, swinging strike rate on the curve and slider. And obviously last year, the issue was the hip. Um, you know, I went to the 60 day DL with hip surgery prior to the hip though. I looked back and I did some digging and I'm like, all right, well what happened? Because March, April was so strong. And then May all of a sudden just, he kind of started to slowly go off a cliff. And I found out that in spring training, he had some back issues. Um, Surprising. Yeah. He had some back issues. And then, Early in the season, there were some reports that it was flaring up, and he played through it. So we all know that the back and the hip kind of work together, 
and they complement each other, all that good stuff. So it's something that could have led to the hip issues that he dealt with midseason and had to get put on the DL for you know extended period of time for. If he comes back healthy, I've always been a believer in Triggs' stuff. If he comes back healthy this year and is able to give you 130 innings, this is another guy with I think what it's it's I know it's asking a lot. Hundred, yeah. I mean, I, the thing is, is like he, he's like sneaky old. He's going to be 29. Uh, well, that's that's pitcher prime. No, I know, I know, but it's like sneaky old for someone that's never pitched more than 65 innings. I know, but he's like he's like he's like a poor man's Rich Hill, and he's yeah, not Rich Hill. <laughs> yeah, but he's not, he's not that good. <laughs> what do you mean he's not that good? I don't know why this is so funny. <laughs> All right. Andrew Triggs is just cracking Joey up. I have no words. But, Joe, Joe, look. Yeah. Look, the 6.89 K per nine, right? I know. It, like, it'll, it'll go up. Right? But go he's, up. Probably like, he's probably like an 8 K per nine guy. And then, like, he's still not Rich Hill. That's what I'm saying. Joe, I mean, first of all, Pat, can you hear me? Yes. This kid is laughing right now for no reason at Andrew Triggs. He literally no. just like lost it. Well, did you you made the uh, yes? You yeah, made the, the, the weapon, weapon joke. Yeah, but that was not it at all. <laughs> like, I was it's talking about the way, how he was the way he said. What do you mean he's not rich? <laughs> well, all right. So listen, I gotta get myself together. Listen, this is all about when it comes to Triggs. It's all about velocity. If he's in and around 90, he's fine. If he's throwing 86, he's going to get crushed. Because that's what happened last year. He was pretty good when he, really was, throwing good. Around, when he was throwing around 90. And then suddenly good. the velocity dipped to like 86, and he just got hammered. Yeah, but Pat, why did the velocity go down? We know why it went down. Probably because he got hurt. Yeah. But he's a guy with an unnatural throwing motion, so... I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not 100% sure it's going to return. It's not a bad play. It's just you're you're counting on a guy that's on the fringes of irrelevance in terms of his velocity and a guy with no track record and not really the innings to support a full season. And I don't know, man. I, AKA, I'm, I'm not crazy about it, even okay. at this point. Okay. All right, next up, I went with Alex Reyes. Um, we kind of touched up on him already. Um, and I, I think something um, something that's kind of going untalked about here, at least from us so far, is that I think he can provide a lot of value if he sticks in the bullpen. Right? I think he's being drafted as a starting pitcher right now, and that's the fault of um, drafters so far, right? Uh, at 231 ADP, um, that's probably a little too rich for me. But I think if he does end up sticking in the bullpen, that can hide a lot of those walk issues that he's got. Um, and then we're looking at like a replica to Josh Hader. I mean, he's got the strikeout. Yeah, except there. he's going 50 picks higher than Josh. Yeah, I, I know. That's a problem. Which is where my objection comes in. Because, I agree. Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is is he on pace to even start the season? Uh, I don't think so. So, I mean, like, oh, you're talking God. about a guy that 
is at least a month behind Josh Hader, right? In terms yeah, so of his availability. As of as of three days ago, the report was he's now able to throw off speed pitches in his bullpen sessions. So yeah, well, he's still true. got yeah, but he's still got a, a, a little while to go. Yeah, he's still at least. I, I'm going to conservatively say a month, but I, I actually think he's more like six weeks behind, you know, MLB pitchers because they're not going to let him start the year in in the major leagues. And they're certainly going to want him to get some work against some competition, either at extended spring training or in the minors. Yeah. And part of the problem too, right, is that he had walk issues before he, uh, before he had Tommy John. So now after the Tommy John, you can expect, you know, that that period briefly after Tommy John surgery, usually pitchers uh, have to work their command back. So, I mean, we could be looking at like five walks per nine. I mean, again, that's why I think if he's hidden in the bullpen, he's a, an awesome asset. But at 230, that's way, way, way too high to be drafting him as a starting pitcher. Yeah, I agree. I mean... I, I definitely see the upside to Reyes as an idea, but I think even last year, I remember when pre-injury he was going as like a top 25 starting pitcher. <laughs> and I, I had to, I laughed because I was laughing about it at the time. And I, I just think that people are a little too optimistic on him um, in the short term. Um, and they're projecting a little bit too much of his long-term outlook into his short-term. Um, and, I mean, even if he does, you know, come up three, four weeks into the year and starts in the bullpen like they're talking about. I mean, like, what are we talking about here? We're talking about, like, best case, like 100 innings? Well, 100 innings, uh, I mean, he's got he's probably got a good shot to close. Oh, you mean, like, actually become the closer i mean maybe good point but i thought they said they weren't going to do that i i don't know did they i thought there was a report out there that said that like he's he's gonna end up being a starting pitcher at some point yeah that 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 kind of saps his value i think i think that the the less he's in the bullpen the worse because I, i i don't know if i definitely don't think he's gonna get the walks down this year so so soon after tommy john and He's going to have to make some real, real sharp improvements before he's got starting pitcher value. I mean, I will say this. I agree with where he is among, you know, those sort of prospecty starting pitchers um, as we've drafted them. Um, I probably would put him in front of Walker Bueller, but I, I think he belongs behind Hader. I think he belongs behind Puck. I think he belongs behind Kopak. Um, and, and that's simply based upon what I think they'll give you in 2018. Do you guys agree with that or no? Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let me move to the next guy then. Uh, Zach Davies, a 274.65 ADP on fan tracks, 296.17 on NFPC. I think Joe and I were both on Davies as a potential Kyle Hendricks clone uh, last year. He was not quite that good, but you can still see where the comparison comes from. Uh, Strong ground ball rate, great changeup, poor velocity. 
Uh, he induces a soft contact at a pretty high clip. Uh, the differences are that Kendricks has multiple chains ups. He's got better command and control. And, yeah, pretty much at the end of the day, Hendricks is better. Um, but that doesn't mean that Davies doesn't have his merits. Uh, he has the contact management. If he can get the case back to 2016 levels, or even halfway between with the volume of innings on a good Brewers team, he's a quality back-end arm with upside for more. Since the ERA could tick below uh, where it was last year into the mid-threes, um, all you have to do is see last year's second half where he had a 287 ERA. Joe? Yeah, so uh, for me, he's just falling in the wrong direction, right? His arm slot continues to move in a direction where his changeup is less and less effective. Um, I think at this point, right, I'm willing to admit that we were a little too overzealous. Um, and I think he's just a classic innings eater type, ground ball type guy, Uh very little strikeout upside unless if he makes other mechanical changes to get that change up uh, generating whiffs again. Um, he's, he's really like a cl- classic innings eater with that said, right. Um, a name that comes to mind is Alex Cobb. Um, yeah, that's probably, a pretty good he's, he's probably not as quite as good and safe. Well, I don't even know if Cobb's safe anymore, but Davies well, is going are you up. comping him to like really good Alex Cobb? Are you comping him to no cur- like, modern day Alex Cobb? Modern day, Mod- modern, modern day Cobb. Alex Cobb. But the the thing that stands out is that Davies is a lot cheaper. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So while I'm not like really like ooh, I'm excited about Davies or Cobb. <laughs> um, Davies is a lot cheaper. So yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of like, eh, obviously, because of the K upside, it's just lacking. But Although I do think it's going to go a lot higher than 5.83, maybe even a full point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it around 6.75. That would obviously yeah, give him, I think he's at. Yeah, and that, that would give him a good boost. But uh, I don't know. He, he lacks. He's very Jake Odorizzi-esque. It's just boring and whatever. Uh, Pat, who's your guy? Wait, did you just give a guy? That was your that guy. That was my guy. Right, so my yeah. next guy. I, I'm guessing that we're not going to be on board with this. <laughs> uh, but I took CC Sabathia. And I know last year there was some luck. Definitely some luck involved. He had 79% strand rate. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, but he made some adjustments. Yeah, but that's not that bad. That's not that bad. Um, he cut the four-seamer out of the pitch mix. He's you know been changing as the years go on to uh, get comfortable not throwing heat anymore and by not throwing heat, I mean throwing like 60 mile per hour pitches all game. Uh, but you know what? He's been successful the last two years, sub four ERA. Uh, he's maintained pretty close K and walk quick uh, K and walk rates. And I think he does it again this year. Like I, I mentioned, I said it a thousand times on the pod. I believe in the Yankee pitching coaching staff. And um, I, I think he turns in a very similar year to last year, which definitely makes him rosterable, uh, which I think he'll be like right around a 3.75 ERA. Uh, right around 7.30 Ks per nine and a healthy walk rate. He'll be he'll be a good innings eater, although he won't really get the innings. <laughs> Doesn't really make sense. Um, listen, I I don't think that what Sabathia did last year is unrepeatable. I, I do think that he could put forth something very similar to that. Um, he is a pitcher that has shown the ability to adapt 
um, to diminish skills. Um, more than anything, like I think what he's really shown is an ability to be willing to walk a guy as opposed to throw a guy, you know, like a 89 mile per hour meatball, um, which is something that there are some pitchers in this league could definitely learn, could, could definitely learn from that. I mean, he's, his walk rate, I believe has risen um, exponentially from his uh, earlier days. Uh, and I think that that's because he simply realized he's not dealing with the stuff that he used to deal with and is willing to walk a guy as opposed to give up a bomb. So I'm on board with it here. I mean, you know, I just took Zach Davies. I think they're incredibly similar, even though they're not similar at all in terms of the way they go about it. Yeah. So, so something I want to mention here too, right. Is um, we're approaching the point now where only in really the deepest of leagues, you want to be taking some of these guys, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, my next guy is a guy that I, I just, you know, I, I will always love you. All right. But, yeah. Well, well, let me let me go first. So next guy I took was Jared Eikhoff. Um, he had lots of bad. There was lots of bad last year. His walk rate nearly doubled. He gave up a 3.28 BAPIP, which is surprising for such a a flyball pitcher, and not surprisingly, his ERA ballooned. Um, he was banged up last year and just recently stated that he pitched through injuries last year. Um, I think he could be like a sort of okay bounce back candidate uh, on the real cheap. Um, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that uh, we all kind of liked Eikhoff to, to some degree. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I could, I could chalk it up to some injury injuries. Yeah, I, I think Eikhoff has some bounce-back potential, definitely. Um, it, whenever a guy has the sort of breaking stuff that he has, um, you know, you can buy into a bounce-back. But again, he's another example of what happens when you're dealing with a pitcher that's got subpar velocity and a subpar fastball and relies on breaking stuff. Um, if they lose the breaking stuff, you're in a position where – the pitcher is really going to struggle, um, which oddly enough relates back to my Tanaka point, but you know, nobody wants to listen to me on that. So Nick, what do you think about Eikhoff? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really a fan. And you know, if you look at the numbers closely, uh, you know, last year, the ERA almost should have been higher. Um, I have him in my projections is like a 5.15 ERA, which is just scary. But like Pat said, the breaking stuff is really good. Uh, but I've never really been a fan uh, of Ikovs. He's extremely inconsistent start to start. He'll have like one really good start, another really good start, and you're like, ooh, Ikov, and then he'll get shelled for like nine runs. Uh, he's just that kind of guy. So I I'm, I'm out. I, I don't see the upside. Okay. With the next pick, I took Matt Strom. Um, I've been on him since about 2015. Uh he was running an afterthought after Tommy John, despite being extremely productive. We saw what he was capable of during 2016. He got into the rotation last year, hurt his knee, and was done for the year. Um, he was traded to San Diego at the deadline. 
I think that's huge for his value. As even though he leaves one pitcher's park for another, um, he gets to go to the NL. Um, and I think San Diego is set up better for the future than than Kansas City is. Um, he's got a plus curveball and plus velocity from the left side. He also has a slider and a change uh, that are representative pitches. Um, I think Strom could follow the Drew Pomerantz path. And remember that San Diego is the spot where Pomerantz finally broke out. Um, they're buzzing about him in camp already. He's 26, so I'm not sure there's much to gain by keeping him out of the rotation to start the year. Uh, I think he's a camp name to watch. And, and I think he's a great lotto ticket at the end of drafts if you're looking for that kind of upside. Yeah, I, I like Strom as well. Uh, he's a guy I watched a lot of video on because um, you watch his cur- you see his curveball and you just want to watch more of it because it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm a fan and I like the pick. I just obviously the walk rate is going to come down, but it's got to come down like substantially, like substantially. You know who watched a lot of video of Matt Strom last year? Me and Pat. You know who cried a lot every time Matt Strom came in last year? Me and Pat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but I, I believe in the stuff, too, obviously, because we own him. <laughs> All right, last three. Let's talk about German Marquez, Nick's. Nick. Nick. Uh, because uh, there's the, multiple Nicks. The German. Um, yeah, so this is a guy that I know, Joey, you like him as well. Uh, I'm a, I'm I'm a big fan of this stuff. Uh, the breaking stuff is really really nice. He's got good command. He doesn't walk guys. He's getting the the Rockies uh, pitcher discount. I think he's a guy that he, he kind of reminds me of Gray a little bit. I think when all said and done, they could be pretty close in like every John category. Gray? Yeah. Although although Gray has much higher K upside. Well, not much. Mm, just higher K upside. Why? Do you not agree with that? Oh, no. <laughs> Why not? Well, because, I mean, I like his curveball, but I don't think he's got John Gray stuff. Well, I mean, John Gray's got a great fastball, too. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying, like, there are two guys who, like, if you look at the Ks per nine, the Walks per nine, and the ERA, I think those, like, in those three, cat- in the main categories, I think they could be pretty close at the end of the year. Like, they'll both probably be just under three Walks per nine. I think they'll both be over 8.50 Ks per nine. Obviously, Gray has the higher upside, and I like Gray a lot better. But um, I just let's let's talk about Marquez for a little bit. Well, um, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, well, so I, I think he's definitely got the K upside, right? Because I think that curveball is for real. I mean, it. I, I think it's like top five. I don't know for sure, um, but I, I I'm pretty positive it's top five in uh in spin rate last year. It's like it's it's filthy. It's stupid. Yeah. It's so, stupid. Someone someone's got to check me on that, but it, it's like an absolutely filthy curveball. Um, I I think part of the problem is, and we're I don't think we're gonna get to him, but t- Tyler Chatwood's run into the same problem in that he's he's also got a good curveball. It's just in cores, right? They they flatten out in that air, and then when they throw the pitch outside of cores, right? Like the cores effect when they throw it outside of cores. They get different break on it than within cores. So Marquez, I think, is going to always have that that issue of get, being hittable because of that. But I, I think the K upside is real. That was what I was going to say about Marquez is he's the classic case of a pitcher who 
um, inside cores being in Colorado has a limited ceiling. Uh, whereas if he was elsewhere, um, for the reasons Joe mentioned, he would be much more interesting because uh, he wouldn't be basically dealing with two different curveballs um, because it acts as a double-edged sword. Uh, when you are pitching inside cores, you're dealing with a uh, curveball that doesn't break as it normally would. Um, it has less bite to it. Uh, it becomes a more hittable pitch. When you go on the road, uh, the break is more severe. You don't know how to throw it for strikes. So if he could get out of cores, uh, he would be much more interesting to me, but I don't mind him here at all. Um, okay. Uh, Joe, Mike fulton Yeah, so Fulty, man. So there's some good signs here, right? First is that the change is a plus offering. And it's going to continue to be a weapon to generate strikeouts. Um, he also started to ditch the, the really blazing fastball, which doesn't do anything particularly well. Um, doesn't generate ground balls. Doesn't really strike. Or doesn't really whiff a lot in favor of his sinker, which does generate a lot of ground balls. Um, he got hurt by a little bit of bad bapit luck, not much, uh, with a bapit of three twenty four. But he also really got hurt by the walks. If he can figure out any way to improve his control just by a hair, specifically with that sinker, I think he could provide some good strikeout value. And there's really no one in the Braves rotation that scares me. I mean, right now it's Tehran, who, Pat, you'll be talking about next, Bolte, Newcomb, McCarthy, Casimir, and then they've also got uh, the, the threesome of, of Max Fried, Aaron Blair, and Lucas Sims, right? I mean, none Did of those... Did you mention Gohar? No, I mean, Gohar is definitely going to be in there, right? But right now, and, and those three definitely don't scare me, specifically Freed, Blair, and Sims. They're they're all kind of like quad A pitchers. Um, so I think his, I think his, his rotation spot's pretty safe to him, for him to figure it out, and it'll accumulate the strikeouts. It's just how bad does he hurt you in ERA? Yeah, I'm, I'm with this. I, I really like the K upside. He's got three pitches. Uh, that have over 10% swinging strike rate in, in the in the slider curve and change. I'd like to see him throw the change more because it has the it had the highest swinging strike rate in the years past. But I, I'm with it. I like it. I like the upside play. A little bit of luck in ERA, and he could be a really solid pitcher. The one thing I will disagree with you on, though, Joe, is is that I'm not convinced that his leash is as long as you would like it to be. Um, He's a pitcher that has shown some gains and definitely shown some skills that you would like to see, but um, he's they've pretty much given him at least a year and a half now to take a step. And I can't imagine they're going to give him more than another half a season to take that step before they pull the plug and throw him into the bullpen, no? Yeah, I just don't see I, I don't know. I don't see like Blair or Sims taking a spot. Like I I I I don't disagree that I think he's probably better in the pen. Um but I'm I, I just don't like the other guys. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. What do you what do you, Nick, you agree? Yeah, no, I get your sentiment. Like I mean, you look around and you know, Newcomb, although I like him, he could he could blow up with the walks and Brandon McCarthy, Scott Casimir. It's well, I mean, they've got guys like Soroka and Allard, but I think they're a little further away. 
There's a yeah. lot of question marks with Joe's point, and I and I completely agree with that. It's not just him. Okay. All right. Well, I'll wrap the show up tonight with Julio Tehran. And if you're surprised to be hearing him at this point, you know, I mean, I was kind of surprised he was still there, but he's a guy that I think we all agree is probably being overdrafted. Yeah. Um, he, he even at a reduced price compared to last year. Um, he's got average to blow average velocity the command has never come along as we expected uh, when he was top prospect. And I think he's still somewhat living off that prospect hype. Um, last year, his money pitch, the slider fell apart. Uh, he lost it. Um, he's apparently working on it. Um, he came out the other day uh, through two innings of scoreless ball, but he walked two guys, didn't strike anybody out. Um you know, but I mean, even if he finds the slider, he's an AK per nine, 350 ERA type. And that was what he was inside Turner Field. And he's not in Turner Field anymore. He's in a much friendlier hitter's park, particularly from the left side. He's a right handed pitcher. So, I mean, I think his upside is like Jake Odorizzi, which is yeah. 7.5 ERA, 8K per nine, which isn't that special. And now we've seen the floor and it's unownable. So I think there are a lot of pitchers I'd rather take my shot on uh, as opposed to Tehran. What are your thoughts if you own Tehran never starting him at home? No. No? No. I don't know. How do you, how do you, not start a how, why would you roster a pitcher that you're benching half of his games because he's going to kill you i know but is it worth owning a guy to start him half a guy like tehran nonetheless like if it was a good pitcher then a different story but i mean even on the road he's kind of skeptical um one thing i take away from tehran is i don't know if you looked at last year's second half stats but August, he had a 3.65 ERA. September, October, he had a 3.19 ERA. He got a lot better as the year went on. The K to walk also got a lot better. He threw 60 strikes to just 20 walks. Um, the beginning of the year, the walks were a problem. Uh, he also had a much better batting average against, swinging strike. Everything got better in the second half. So uh, I think he's a guy to just watch in spring training. And we have saw the good from him. We saw the bad. And if he looks good in spring training, his stocks, he's the kind of guy his stock's just going to rise like crazy before the year starts. Um, so just monitor him. But I, I definitely don't mind the pick here. That He has some upside. Yeah, I think I think the ballpark kind of limits that upside, though. Like like I alluded to, right? Like, he was bad at home. And the ballpark so far has shown to be friendly to hitters. Um, so, yeah, if, if I don't think it's wise to start him at home. Right, just to accumulate K's because it will kill you. And like you mentioned, he's probably not like Nick that you mentioned. He's probably not worth benching at home. Um, so yeah, I don't know. At two twenty four ADP, it's pretty rich. Okay, that's gonna wrap up our starting pitcher preview. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, relief pitchers and another segment to be determined. Uh, We will surprise you with one. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Again, I am Pat Donovan. You can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. 
Guys, let them know where they can find you. You can find me at Nick FWO, and I'm tweeting. Guys, I'm on a tweet streak. Woo! I'm at Joe FWO, and I'll give you the hot takes real hot, real fast, and they're probably bad. And all yeah. about Elvis Andrews. Yeah. Damn, I thought we could get through a podcast without bringing up Elvis Andrews. <laughs> Almost. Big mistake. All right, thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Later. See you later. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.